it's just as important to know when to let go of a dream as it is to know when to chase one. And I think if I had held on so tightly to this image of myself being like this tour dancer and, and being in music videos and stuff, I would have been missing out on what I'm doing now. And the stuff that I'm doing now, it's more, you know, heart-centered. It's more related to who I am and, and what I want to do and who I want to impact. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Curious Dancer podcast. My name is Kayleen, and today I am chatting with Galen Larice, who is a dancer, a content creator, business owner, and just all around amazing human being. Um, we kind of, I guess, met each other virtually through YouTube. I think, I don't know, it was over a year ago, Galen commented on one of my videos, and then I like clicked on her profile, looked at her channel, and I was like, oh my gosh, she is making amazing videos, content similar to mine, but on other topics that I'm not qualified to talk about, and some of which we will talk about in today's episode, and just like tons of really good resources for dancers. So definitely check out her content um, after you listen to this episode. Everything will be linked in the show notes. And at the end, she'll tell you where you can find her. But yeah, we talked today about some things, including how to decide if you should be a dance major in college and how Galen decided to be a dance major in college. We talk about career and different career paths for dancers. And we talk about things like what it feels like to be a dancer in a studio or an organization where no one else looks like you and how you can navigate that type of situation and how you can find people to look up to and still continue to grow as a dancer even if you feel a little bit isolated so i really hope you enjoyed this episode we'll get right into it because it's a little bit of a longer one and if you do enjoy it you know go give this podcast a rating on apple podcasts it helps other dancers be able to find this show and help us grow so i'd really really appreciate it but thanks for listening and if you have any comments suggestions or uh requests for future episodes feel free to go follow me and my podcast page so podcast page is at the dot curious dancer on instagram where you can follow my personal page at kayleen babel send me a dm leave me comments just let me know what you guys want to hear up in upcoming episodes okay i'm finding it hard to talk this morning so i'm just going to get into this episode if you can give us sort of your background in dance like how did you start and how did all of your background lead you to where you are today like my background i guess would be like in ballet as far as style um, so I went to, I guess you consider it like a conservatory style or academy style ballet studio. And so I didn't grow up in a like competition setting. It was more so about like just training consistently. Um, and then I ended up going to college for dance. Um, in the middle of that, I would study in the summers at different summer intensives and stuff like that. Again, mostly with ballet and kind of some modern thrown in there. Um, and that gave me the opportunities to like leave my hometown and kind of just see what else was out there. Um, and then I studied dance in college. So I got my BFA at Jacksonville University. Um, and that was like my first experience, I guess, at an arts school, because I never went to an art school. I never had really like dance electives in school. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was like, cool for me to combine dance and education which I love learning stuff so um, that became like my background for what I'm doing now and as far as like choosing 
dance as your major how what was that process like like did you know as soon as you were like finishing up high school like I want to pursue dance or was it something that you had to kind of mull over more yeah so it's funny because I'm actually doing a video on this <laughs> but really? I, um, yeah because I get this question a lot because a sure. lot of people you know they ask like do you need to go to college to be you know a dancer blah 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 so for me I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I had an idea that I wanted dance to be a part of my life in some way based on my experiences in summer intensives and stuff like that. I knew that being in a company was not for me. I knew that just was not the lifestyle that I wanted, whether if it be in ballet or modern or whatever, that was not for me. Um, and so college, I saw A as an opportunity for me to explore what like living like a working dancer would be like in a safer space um, where I didn't have to necessarily like work to live, you know? And um, it also was the opportunity for me to, you know, study stuff like choreography and learn more about dance history and those like tidbits of information that I kind of had some gaps in because I didn't go to an art school. Um, and so those were my main reasons for choosing that. And then also just um, because I understood the value of like getting some kind of higher education, whether if it be, you know, like technical training or, you know, as far as like, you know, people go to school for welding and all that kind of stuff. But I just knew I knew I needed something outside of high school. So um, and most of the people in my family had gone to college. So it just made sense for me to do it and do it with dance and, and see what came out of it. Yeah. I, I get that question a lot too. Like, should I go to school for dance? Or they ask if I have, and I didn't, like I was on the dance team, but I didn't get a dance major. And it's something that I really thought about and was kind of like a dumb reason why I didn't do it. It was because like, I went to this particular school because I got scholarship money for it. And by the time I found out that I got that scholarship, the audition for a dance program had already passed. And I definitely probably could have like emailed them and been like, hey, is it okay that I do like a late audition or something? And it's a, it was such a small program that they probably would have been okay with it. But I don't know, there was just something in me that was like, maybe I need to step out from dance and just like focus on school and look at dance and like as still just something in the background. So I don't know, but yeah. Go ahead. I know I know I get that because like for me like I said like I didn't know if I wanted to dance but I when I was younger I was like I'm gonna start this dance facility and it's gonna have like physical trainers like physical therapists there and there's gonna be counselors there like emotional counselors because like at the time I was like that's some stuff that dancers need like dancers need therapy <laughs> of <Yes>. different <laughs> kinds um but I was like I don't know how to get toward that so I ended up that's why my minor was in psychology is because mm. I was like, okay, let me learn more about this field. But yeah, it was just like, and that was also the school that I ended up getting a full scholarship to. And so I was just like, I'm going to make this work and, and figure it out as I go. Yeah. That that's funny. Cause I've, that was part of my reasoning too. I was like, I'll get a business degree because then like I can maybe open a studio or something. And that's how I'll stay connected to dance. But then the more that I looked into what it actually takes to run a studio and how like, yes, you are involved with dance a lot being an owner. Um, there's just so much more like, I feel like you get disconnected from it. You're focusing more literally on the business side of it and just keeping things running like the operational stuff. And I was like, maybe that's not what I want, especially because I just feel like unless you're in a place that doesn't already have a lot of studios, it can be hard to start a new 
it went up there's just like a lot of issues and I had that same thought like maybe if I did something different though like some kind of gym for dancers or like somewhere they could get like nutrition advice and other things that were like related to dance but we'll see what the future holds um yeah kind of there's there's always room for growth and stuff and I I feel like that's what makes people like you cool and people like me cool is because like we're always like trying to learn and and do stuff again like for dancers even though we're not the performer you know Mm -hmm. Um, because you're totally right like studio ownership is who I could never (laughs) you know it's it's so much of a I wouldn't want to say burden but you know on top of just like running the the building and keeping the lights on also making sure that like relationships between parents and teachers is great and and you don't get to actually worry about the dance a lot and so um people also like they'll ask like do I need a BFA to to start a studio and it's just like no you need to be a, a good business owner and and also understand what makes a good teacher and know how to find those that's definitely true so I think you said you, you ended up getting a scholarship in school. Is that how you made your final decision or were you kind of looking at different schools and like different dance programs to make that choice? So I only <laughs> applied to like three schools um, and I only applied to one school that was out of state and I wanted to go to school out of state. So you would have thought that I would have applied to more schools. Anyway, I was kind of lazy. Um, Me too. And, <laughs> and, I'm like thinking, yeah, same. <laughs> So one of the schools that I applied to, it was an all girls school and my mom had gone there for graduate school. Um, and I got a dance scholarship to go to that school. And I was like, I don't know if I can do it, man. I don't know if I can do the all girls school. <laughs> and so I was like, I really hope I get a scholarship to this other school. And so I did, but it was for the honors program. So actually the honors program is what gave me my full scholarship, not dance, which was also great because I was not in the pocket of the dance department, if that makes sense. So it mm. gave me a little bit more freedom in terms of decision-making and, um, what my like ultimate goals were I didn't have to necessarily run it by them all the time because they weren't paying me to be there um and uh it in a way like dance was my priority but I didn't have it didn't have to be if I didn't want it to be um and that for me that was very important because I at that point I had quit dance once before um, in high school. And so I was like, I want the freedom to be able to quit if I want to. And so that's, I was really grateful that it wasn't a dance scholarship. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I like would have never thought about that, but I could see how being like, I guess, funded by the program could really impact how you end up like performing and the choices that you make. And I think that having that freedom, and that's something that I, I try to tell people when they do ask me, like, do I need to be a dance major or whatever? Do I need to take dance classes in college to get a minor? I'm like, well, I don't think it's wrong of you to like pursue multiple things. Like you can still go in into completely like an academic major and then do a dance minor or even just continue taking classes. Like, I don't know that there really needs to be that huge separation because there's a lot of value in, in doing both. And I feel like you learn a lot from doing both. And in a sense, yeah. like, sometimes it's worth taking a break too. like, I know you just said, like, why did you end up quitting for a little bit? 
Um, so I quit my, I want to say like junior and senior year of high school. Um, and at that point, my original ballet teacher, he had passed away and he was like one of the major reasons why I was still at that studio at all. Um, and so when he was gone, I was kind of just like, so am I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but it was, it was just because it wasn't a very healthy space for me anymore. Um, I saw the financial toll that it was taking on my parents and also I had, a, I have a brother, so I wanted to make room for him to be able to do stuff and for them to be able to fund him doing things. And I also just needed a break. I, you know, and so all of those things came together and it just made sense for me to be like, hmm, I'm going to bow out for a little bit. And it, it was totally what I needed. And at this point in my life, I've, I took a break in 2019 slash 2020 ish, mostly 2019. Um, and so I'm learning that's just a part of like my behavior is like, I need a break every couple of years um, to get excited about it again and to feel inspired again. I think that's, that's healthy. Also, that's like so selfless of you to think of your brother that way. And cause I know like dance is so expensive and it is. And to, <laughs> yeah. Like I, that's, that's really nice of you. I mean, um, what do you think you learned the first time that you took a break? Let's talk about that. I, I think it was like to trust my gut. Um, and, and I kind of get that lesson over and over again in my life. Um, but at the time, the instructors there, like the message I kept getting was like, oh, you would be great in Ailey or you would be great like in a modern, you know, company. And uh, the messaging I was getting was like, you know, you, you belong in this modern company, you should go into a modern company. Um, and I started to realize that they were saying that not so much because they knew how I did doing modern because I never did modern at the studio. It was because I was black and because I of my, of my body type. And so they were like, you'd be good doing that because this isn't for you, you know, um, uh, just along with some other things like um, I, you know, at that point, I was really the only black girl there. And uh, at the, when I was maybe like seven there was another black girl there and that's about it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like I fit in and I didn't really feel like there was an effort for me to fit in, you know? Um, and so it just, I, I just kind of listened to my intuition and was like, it, this is time for me to let this go. And if it comes back to me, then I know I'm supposed to be doing it. And it did. So it worked, <laughs> it worked out. In terms of like not feeling well represented because obviously like you, you you stuck through it for all of those years up until like that time you took a break so what advice would you give to to dancers who are kind of in a similar situation who don't really feel like they're well represented or maybe they feel kind of isolated just because of a lack of diversity I would say um one to seek out opportunities where you can find that diversity where you can find that representation for me when I was 11 years old the dance teacher I mentioned his name was Robert Ivy who passed away um when I was like 11 he like brought me into his studio and like I'm just sitting there and he's behind his big desk and he's like you're gonna go to dance theater of Harlem for the summer and we're gonna send in your audition tape and this is how much it is to go and we'll make sure you can go and we'll work it out with your parents but you're gonna go and um he was like this little Australian man, but like he just understood that for me as a black kid, like I needed to be around other black dancers and I needed to see what was possible. And um, 
and he knew that I wasn't getting that there. And he knew that my parents at the time, they didn't know very much, you know, they, they never danced when they were younger. Um, and so, yeah, seek out opportunities where you can be in those spaces where you can see people look like you, people who look like you thriving, people who look like you doing things that you haven't seen them done before, or see them having conversations and what their conversations about specific topics look like. Um, you know, the when I remember the first thing that blew my mind when I had to go was like, I have to buy skin tone tights. Like, where do I get those? And I have to paint my shoes. Like, what? I thought all shoes were just pink. It's like, no, they're meant to match your skin tone. <laughs> you know, and just the little things like that um, that I wouldn't have known had I not been in those spaces. So yeah, that's my biggest. And I guess also if if you can't, because I understand that is a financial. Um, there's a financial aspect to that. Uh, fill your timelines on Instagram with it. Fill your timelines with people who are, who look like you doing what you want to do. And that doesn't just apply to dance. That applies to everything, you know, business or um, nutrition or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, that's definitely so important, like supporting creators because it's literally like it's free if you have an internet <laughs> access yeah. like you can fill your social media feed with these people's content and you don't know how like that's that can like over time really blow things up now we're on this topic why did you start your youtube channel i think i kind of know the answer to this but <laughs> why don't you give it to us uh so i first of all i'm so glad that we found each other because yeah. i feel like there was this wave of when like ballet YouTubers and like dance YouTubers was popular and then it like faded out and then yeah. like we're here now. So I'm like, oh my gosh, we're like the new ones. But <laughs> um, yeah, but um, for me, I started it for a couple of reasons. One being because there were no black dance YouTubers and um, they there were in terms of like choreography. Um, but not talking about the stuff that I had watched growing up. I was a huge follower of Catherine Morgan growing up and watching her sh like stretch videos and working on your point and, and just, you know, things to help you improve your dancing um, and kind of speak to the person in the dancer, not just, you know, how cool the choreography looks. So that was the first reason. Um, the second reason was at that time I was taking my break. Um, and I had been in LA at that point, maybe for like two years, a year and a half, two years, and was just really, really frustrated with my experience and felt kind of silenced almost. Um, and so I was just like, I need a place where I can speak freely. And um, I know I'm not crazy. It's just, you know, no one else is mirroring these thoughts that I'm having or these conversations that I'm having. So let me just put them out there and see if anyone takes it, you know, see if there's any biters in the pond per se. <laughs> and, um, and there have been. And so it's, it's cool to like create conversation around dance that isn't necessarily about the dance all the time, which is why I talk about dance business. And I talk about dancer autonomy on my channel and the creative process and, and show that through like my dance business vlogs and stuff. So, um, yeah, just, just to create some stuff that I, I haven't been seeing, basically. I feel like, yeah, and I feel like we're similar in a lot of reasons why we, like, keep creating content and, like, what you're saying in terms of, like, like, I watch Catherine Morgan, too, and, like, I love her videos. There's nothing wrong with her. There's a lot of other creators similar to her that they all kind of just look the same, though, when you're just, like, generalizing. They're, like, thin, 
why, even though I know she talks a lot about like her struggles with like body image and being called out for it in ballet, it's still like, if you, if you're really looking at her, like she's not like super muscular. She, I never like saw anyone that looked like me and how I do now. And it's like, we, if I'm going to be so open about saying like, it's okay to look however you want, like everybody should be accepted in the dance world. Then like, why am I not showing that through my content more? And so that's kind of why I keep going on my channel. So that's interesting. Yeah, no. And I think also for me, like another reason was just like, I, ballet, like we talked about before, ballet is expensive. And um, I knew that like there were girls who could not afford ballet lessons or technique lessons of any kind. And um, they were scared to step into a ballet class, which it, it makes sense when no one there looks like you or when you're told that you have to be a certain size. Um, and, and sure being of a specific range in size helps as far as like agility, but even then like, if you're just trying to become a better performer and, and straighten your lines and learn the aesthetic of, you know, a technical dancer, like you don't have to have a specific body type for that. And so that was another reason was I was just like, I know it's not affordable for people. And, you know, most of the people who are having conversations about ballet, they've been doing it all of their lives and they didn't go to regular high school. They went to a conservatory every day and were private schooled at home or homeschooled or whatever. And it's just like, that was not the experience I had. And, and I wanted to show people who could mirror that experience in like in all ways, not just um, when it comes to like body physicality or body look. That's, that's definitely another reason why I'm like, I, I find, you know, like there are a lot of people that will make like online courses or they have like their ebooks and they're charging for like similar content that we're creating and there's nothing wrong with that but there's always this part of me inside that's like well I kind of want to just do this for free because I know there are so many people that can't access even if it was something affordable like a $15 ebook or whatever like mm -hmm. there's so much more value just giving it for free in my eyes because like it's it's promoting more inclusivity in dance as well because like marginalized groups that maybe don't have as much access to con like dance in general, even a studio to go to, then they can find it. And it's just like helping to diversify the dance world a little more. Yeah, no. And I think it's also important in doing that, that like, as creators, we also understand our boundaries. Like I, you know, in my, I have this club called uh, Dancers Moved by More and we're finishing up our first season but I also do these coffee dates where I kind of just sit and talk through people with their dance business and um, dancers I've learned are scared to charge for things. And I, it's, it's all about figuring out like how to give enough free stuff to the point where you're comfortable charging and you become comfortable when you've given stuff of value. And I think that's like the biggest thing is like, we're not afraid to give some free videos on YouTube because we understand that like our free content is more valuable than some people's paid content. And so, <laughs> you know, when we ask people to actually pay for something, they, they know they're really going to get the real deal, you know? And I think that's just as important with dancers to have those conversations about how to accurately charge for things um, and how to really uh, stand in your value as an artist and as a creative, because, you know, we don't just do this because it's fun. We 
we have chosen to also make it a part of our financial lives. And so I think that conversation is just as important because so many dancers now are being kind of, this is a terrible word, but being like pimped for their talent in a way. And uh, I, I, it, it's, it's really sad to see dancers who are so talented being used like that. And mm -hmm. I think helping dancers assert that autonomy over their life, over their business um, and over their talent will help make them believe in themselves more and carry themselves into rooms differently. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. And like, like I said, I'm not trying to bash on anyone that charges because I do think there definitely is a time and a place where you need to assert that like you can't do everything for free if you're gonna this is gonna be your business and and the way that you support your life like you definitely need to start charging and that's actually something someone had messaged me on instagram about oh when i was asking for like questions and topics they wanted me to discuss on the podcast so maybe we can talk about this a little someone had asked like how to approach being compensated fairly like what are some ways you can go about doing that, especially if you're like newer to it and you don't know like what are average rates for things and like how how can you charge and make sure that you're not basically getting exploited? Yeah, so I and I think this it's a constant learning curve. I mm -hmm. um, am like a lot of those dancers and that I outside of my, you know, that dance teacher that I had when I was young, I haven't had very many like tried and true mentors in my adult ballet or my adult dance life. Um, and so I don't automatically know what those numbers are, but I think it starts with, again, like establishing value. Here's what working with me will get you, you know, and really laying that out clearly for someone so that when you put the number in front of them, it makes sense. And obviously doing your research and seeing what other people are charging for this, when people are charging that amount, what are people giving in return, um, what comes with those services, but I think it ultimately comes down to like understanding that someone is coming to you because they see value in you um, and for you to deliver on that and, and to make it your job to deliver on that. So yeah, establishing at its basic, <laughs> most basic way is just like, you know, here's what you get with working with me and here's what that number entails, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is, like knowing your own self-worth and knowing that like it's okay to charge someone like this and honestly if someone isn't willing to pay the price that you're setting then maybe they're just not the right client for you or it's not the right opportunity you really like you mentioned earlier it's so important to actually just set those boundaries I know that a lot of times if you're just starting out maybe it it might be in your best interest to kind of like take some more opportunities that aren't going to be as well paying just to like establish your credibility and like get things going but at a certain point you have to like be real with yourself and know that like I am worth charging this much and that's probably something that is hard for a lot of dancers just because I think like systemically you see that like I first thing that comes to mind for me of course because of like my background is like pro dancers for like NFL and NBA how they get like they have to work part-time or full-time jobs or be students like they don't get paid a decent amount for what they do and so I think that's already kind of and I know like, okay, like also like in ballet companies, depending on where you are in the world, you might not be getting paid a lot, just being like in the core or whatever. And so I think there's just this idea in people's mind that like, okay, in those areas, they're not getting paid well. So maybe I also shouldn't be getting paid well. 
and we need to like fix that problem, which is like a huge yeah. different systemic issue. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and it's a very hard, um, like sticky situation to get out of because this is the messaging that we've been told like forever, you know, like the, the starving artist, you're going to struggle, you're going to move to New York and you're going to live off of like ramen noodles. And like, it's going to be fine because you're going to be dancing and it's going to be amazing. And it's like that, that sounds cute. That's a cute movie, but I don't want that to be my life. My li no, like, and that was one of the reasons when I was younger, cause I had had the opportunity to be in like a second company of a modern dance company. Um, and I decided to go back to high school because I wanted to finish high school, but, um, I was like, no, like that's not a life that that's not what I want for myself. Um, just like this constant struggle. And you know, I think in the past, yes, I think there was a time when that was the only way to make it. With the internet and social media now, there are so many ways to make a buck. And I always tell people like, that's the biggest thing I've learned from living in LA. Like that, that has been my biggest um, takeaway is that like, there's so many ways to make money. There's so many ways to show your value. And also you can do it in a way that matches with your integrity. Like I always tell my friends, like there's never a dream opportunity from God that's going to require you to act outside of your integrity, you know? And so I like, for example, I, in my head, I was like, when I, you know, reach a thousand subscribers on YouTube, this is me knowing absolutely nothing. I'm like, when I reach a thousand subscribers on YouTube, brands are going to start reaching out to me and, well, <laughs> and I, and that's so wrong, but like every single brand that I've worked with up until this point is because I have reached out to them and been like, here's what I'm about. I love, you know, this brand already. I already use them. I already love them. Like, how can I help you guys further? How can I work with you guys? And so it's been beautiful because in my career so far, I've been able to work with brands that align with my integrity and I haven't had to be starving because of it, you know? So, because mm -hmm. you can also be in these companies, but like the way that they treat you is trash or like the way that the people at the top, you know, conduct themselves is really, you know, shysty. And it's like, no, I would rather be a part of something that, you know, I, I am proud of every bit of it, you know? Absolutely. And that it's so important to, to realize that there are like so many different avenues that you you can take to make money as a dancer now, like you said, with internet and social media, and there's just so many more opportunities. And I was, I was just thinking about it. And I honestly do think that there was a part of me when I was choosing my major that the reason I held back from, you know, reaching out to the dance department and being like, can I do a late audition was because I, in the back of my mind, kind of had this thought like, well, dancers don't make a lot of money. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this major later. And I want to have something maybe more stable to fall back on. And now that I look at that after having graduated with like a business degree, I'm like, I don't know that it really does matter what major like I chose. I mean, even the fact that you went to college for something like that's already, that can get you into a lot of places. Um, I don't know. I just think that, that that was like a memory that I didn't even remember that I had <laughs> until we just started talking about it. Cause now I feel like my eyes have been opened so much. Like ever since I started doing YouTube and like doing more stuff on social media, it's like, there are so many different ways that you can make money 
and you don't have to follow that like clear-cut path of either becoming because I think a lot of people see it as like if you had a dance major like what are you going to do you're going to like become a studio owner maybe you're going to be a dance teacher somewhere or you could dance professionally and all three of those just have a history of not paying well (laughs) so I can see why there's hesitation and stuff like that yeah no I I totally get that and like I to be fair I understand why students think that when they look at a dance major sometimes is because in my opinion there are a lot of gaps that need to be filled in dance departments that I think they're kind of dragging their feet on um I, I am grateful for my education in my dance department. However, do I think that it prepared me for what I'm doing now? Not really. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I kind of took what I was given and, and made something out of it, which I think um, was my responsibility to do. I don't think anyone going into a dance department can expect to come out and be successful. Um, And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know if that's a statement on, you know, some work that college departments need to do, or if it's just a statement on what college students' expectations need to be going into programs. Mm -hmm. But um, I, and and I actually did a video on this, like things that dance, that dance majors in college should know. And, And one of them is just that, you know, you need to understand your specific goals and understand that you, whether if you're deciding to be a performer, you know, start a studio or whatever you choose to do, you're a dance business and you're going to have to operate as a business from the second that you leave college because, um, you know, it's not, there is no apply for the job (laughs) and, and based Mm -hmm. on your resume, you get it, you know, it's, it's you being a creative entrepreneur and, and kind of figuring it out. And so that's also another reason why I feel like the stuff that I do is pretty important just because I feel like I'm trying to fill a gap that of information that I didn't get in college, just when it comes to um, building your personal brand and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, college yeah. talk is always weird because I, I never want to like talk bad on my college because I am appreciative of that time. But I do think going forward, people who are dance educators or institutions that are for dance education need to realize that their responsibilities are are bigger now because our, our world is different, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are some of those areas or like those gaps that you're trying to fill? Like, what do you feel like was like were those missing pieces in your education? Um, I think one of them, one of them was just understanding what it takes to build a personal brand that is authentic to yourself. Um, and so maybe you learned this in like your business classes and, and stuff like this. I don't, I don't know. Cause I never actually had to take a business course at all for my dance major, which I think is crazy. But, uh, so yeah, just understanding how to build a, your personal brand, um, Another thing would be editing, just like basic editing. I took one class in college, but everything that I do now is it's been self-taught past my college years. So just more on like graphic design and stuff like that, because that is a huge part of building, again, your personal image and your personal brand, which you're going to use to lead forward to hopefully get yourself opportunities. Um, 
because even dancers who are in companies, like you said before, they either have to have side jobs or they themselves outside of the company, you know, they go and they set choreography or they are ambassadors for certain brands and stuff like that. So all of that takes understanding how to, you know, understand how to create a nice image, how to take a decent photo, you know, a simple, simple photography class. Um, so, so much stuff. So, so much stuff I could ramble, but um, yeah, entrepreneurship and graphics for sure. That that definitely would be important. I feel like it's at the basis of it. It's like being able to market yourself really well is mm-hmm. something that's not really taught. And and just going on this conversation about like whether your college degree prepared you for like what the dance world is really like. I do feel like that can be said for a lot of other degrees too. Like I know it's like what everyone says is you go to college and you you get your degree in like engineering, but that you get your first job as an engineer and you don't use anything that you learned in college, right? Like you start relearning everything on the job. So I guess like that can be said for a lot of different areas of like different college yeah. majors, but I totally get what you're saying in, in terms of they sh- should be providing some kind of access to maybe even like, it doesn't even have to be like a semester long course because it's stuff that doesn't really take a lot of time to learn, but if they were able to like provide access to like an outside club or like an after hours program where you can learn Photoshop and whatever, like I yeah. feel like that would be so valuable. No, I think, I think so. And, and again, like my, my thinking that they need to do those things simply comes from the fact that they charge a ton. If you're going to charge people that much for an education, you need to be educating, <laughs> you know, like it is your job to establish, you know, some kind of, of, of level where they can go from there and really do some things because Unfortunately, I do see a lot of people from either the dance program that I went to or other dance programs just struggling, trying to figure out, okay, what is my next step? They end up teaching at a dance studio for a couple of years and they're like, this isn't really what I want to do, but like, what else am I going to do? And, and, you know, I feel like they maybe thought that college was going to show them that what else am I going to do? You know, it's, it was going to show them what are my other options? And sometimes dance departments they are very heavy on you know getting into a company like having students who get into companies or having students that go and do the commercial route and um even if they do get into a company again they're gonna have to have another job so so you know it's about more than just getting into a dance company and even if you do then there's a time where you're gonna have to wind that back because your body has, you know, a time limit. And that's also a sad factor in our careers is how long we can do this thing. And that was something I realized with myself was like, I love ballet. I absolutely adore it. But my body was like, "Mm -mm." you know, it, it definitely tapped out after a while with certain, certain things. And, and so, yeah, I think dancers need to be shown more options in in various ways. Why don't you talk a little bit about like, when you graduated, what was your next step? And talk a little bit about what you're doing now. So I graduated in 2017. And my senior year, I worked at a massage envy because I was like, I, I need to save up to move to LA. I got this idea that I was like, I'm going to be in LA. I'm going to be a backup dancer. I'm going to go on tour. Um, And so I visited LA my junior, the summer after my junior year. 
Um, and I was like, I love it here. So I went back to school and then after school I was, or in my senior year, I was like, I'm going to move to LA. So, um, after saving up, I moved to LA roughly three months after graduating. So I saved up that entire senior year. So I would have enough money to move. I wanted to move as soon as possible. I did not want to have to go back home. <laughs> uh, so I left three months after graduating. And I think that also just helps with momentum. You know, like sometimes if you go back home, you get used to how things are again. Um, so yeah, I moved to LA and then I, I really pursued, you know, the traditional commercial dance route heavy. Like I was taking class, you know, five and six times a week. I worked as a nanny, actually. I had some kids I really love and I still love them. I still talk to them. Um, but I, that, was, that was able to give me some flexibility in my schedule so that I could take classes or go to auditions. Um, I finally got you know, an agent and all of that kind of stuff. And I did all of the things that they say you should do, you know, work on your look. When I moved here, I had more natural hair. I have the straighter hair now. Um, and, and it still wasn't really working out. Um, and so I became super, super frustrated. I was like, I'm doing what they say to do. Like I'm taking these classes and, and I was getting rejected, not because of my dancing all the time, but just because of how I looked like, oh, your look isn't what we want for this or blah, blah, blah. Um, and also a lot of that was also tied to me being black. So a lot of the jobs out here at the time were very much, you know, like twerk jobs. <laughs> and I was just like that. I'm not your girl for that. Like I, I, I can, but like, I'm not your girl for that. So, um, that's when I, that's when I decided to take my break. And in that time I, um, started motion prep which is my business that I have that makes products for dancers to help them warm up their muscles so when I was in college I used massage balls all the time um, because I had had some hip injuries and so my muscles would tighten around my hips a lot um, and so kind of rolling out my hamstrings and stuff like that really helped me maintain my flexibility when you're dancing every single day and, and your dancing is what affects your grade in the class, you know? So I started motion prep, um, just as a way to encourage dancers to like take care of their bodies, especially in LA. I noticed that dancers, you know, they don't at all you know, they'll take a class and the teacher is like, we're not going to do a warm up. You make sure you already warmed up. I'll give you five minutes. And, and it's like, what? <laughs> and you want me to do what in the class? Um, and so, yeah, I started motion prep. And then, and then after that, I was like, oh, I'm going to start this brand and, and people are just going to automatically flock to it because it's a great idea. And you learn very quickly in business that that's not how it works at all. And so I had already had a YouTube channel. I had played around with some videos in the past. And I was like, I'm just going to use my YouTube channel to like promote my dance brand and then see what goes from there. And so I found that people liked the stretch videos and that was a way for me to promote the massage balls. And then I could talk about me having a business since I did. And that led to the dance business content. Um, and then people were asking me questions about dance business. So I was like, okay, let me you know, do these coffee dates where I can talk to people and kind of help them. And, and it kind of just grew from there. So that's what I do now is really running my, uh, my dance brand, my YouTube channel and, and helping other dancers kind of create a foundation for them to do work that, that they love and that they, that, that they enjoy. 
you're doing awesome things. I feel like you get these comments a lot and you deserve like so many more subscribers than you already have. And I just hope to see your channel continue to grow. Thank you. Yeah, no, like I said, I, and I mean it when I say it, like I'm, I was so happy. I feel like when I first commented on your channel, I was like, oh my God, there's another one. Like, <laughs> it's so nice to meet you. No, like, then I was so happy when I saw your channel. So like, this is so cool. Like everything you talk about, it's like so many different topics that I feel like just need to be talked about. And so many other dance channels are either like purely entertainment, like funny making jokes mm -hmm. or like, or showing choreography, which I guess, and there's like, there's a need for all of those things, but I feel like, like you're saying, there's not a lot of people doing like the stuff that we're doing. Yeah. And, and if there's room for everyone, you know, like there's some stuff where our content overlaps, but also I've never danced on a dance team and I couldn't tell someone the first thing about like palm, palm <laughs> arm stuff. So exactly. You know, and like I, I keep telling people that like, that there is so much room for so many other people and that like, it shouldn't be competitive, but it's just like, there's, there's no point because there's room for all of us. And also if you think about other places, like, like the fitness industry is already so oversaturated, but there are still people that pop up and grow. And because you're doing it in a different way, you're doing it from your point of view, like with your personality and everyone, I really believe like has their own message that they can spread that's valuable to others. Yeah, I co-signed everything you just said, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. well, Right. Tell us, tell everyone where we can find you then, like social media, YouTube, all that. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at galen.larise, galen, G-A-Y-L-Y-N-L-A-R-E-E-S-E. -E -E. um, and also at motion prep dance. Um, that's my motion prep Instagram page. And on YouTube, you can find me uh, as Galen Larise on there as well. So yeah. If you type in Gail, there's not very many Galen Larises. <laughs> yeah, you have a so unique name. Find <laughs> yeah, I'll, and I'll put links to everything in the show notes so people can click away. Um, is there anything that has been on your mind lately or anything that you want to leave our audience with? Any advice, tips? I guess my one thing would say just to kind of, if there's something that interests you at all, try it. Um, listen to your gut and listen to where you think you're going to find inspiration. I always say go where the motivation is, go where the inspiration is. There will be times where I'm like working on a YouTube video and I'm like, I'm not feeling this today. I'm just going to go improv for a little bit. And, and allowing your body to move and shift um, is important. And also knowing when to quit. I think people don't talk about this enough too. Like we always hear like never be a quitter and all, all the negative connotations associated with quitting. But um, Jamie Kern Lima, she is the CEO of, well, she was the CEO and founder of It Cosmetics. Um, she's now sold it to L'Oreal for like a billion dollars. But she said, um, it's just as important to know when to let go of a dream as it is to know when to chase one. And I think if I had held on so tightly to this image of myself being like this tour dancer and and being in music videos and stuff I would have been missing out on what I'm doing now and the stuff that I'm doing now it's more you know heart-centered it's more related to who I am and and what I want to do and who I want to impact and so yeah no no one to quit <laughs> I love that and I think that's something just in general that people do is they tend to like I'm not saying that you were doing this but like we tend to gravitate toward career paths or just look at things that we consider success based on like our own ego. And so like, I kind of had like similar 
ideas. Like I wanted to dance on this team and I wanted to do this. And I started to think about it. And I was like, I think maybe part of me only just wanted to do that. So I could say to other people, like, look at me go, this is what I was doing. I got yeah. to this level when really like, is that what's going to really make you happy? And I feel like everything in life happens for a reason. And sometimes like maybe you're not getting to that place that you want to get to. And you can, you need to know when it's time to let go. Like you said, try going down a different path and you can always revisit your dreams, go back and try it when you have some more experience later. But I think it's, you have to think about whether it's your ego driving your choices or, or if you really like know that that's something that could be like, uh, meaningful to you long-term, I guess. Yeah, no, ego is definitely a part of it. Um, learning to give yourself grace and to let things go and to let accept that the things that are supposed to be for you will be for you, um, I think is really freeing too, because it kind of takes some of that weight off of you to be the driver of your own success all the time, you know? Yes, definitely. I really appreciate you joining me. This was great. We probably need to do a part two or just like do something else together one day. I would love that.